At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. A warmer from the low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for Jessica Seeps with myself, Greg Eats Peters, and now part of the Houston Family of Podcasts. We've got a tremendous podcast for you as in segment number two, we're going to be talking to Eli Becker. He does amazing work over at EchexCBB. We're going to be talking with him about a lot of these Sweet 16 matchups, but now we've got a very small amount of teams that are still remaining and are still actually playing college basketball. So we are going to be discussing with him some of the coaching moves that we've seen over the last 24 hours with Rick Pitino back in the Big East. He is going to be coaching for St. John's. Ed Cooley has decided that he is going to be taking the coaching job at Georgetown, what that means for both of those programs. We're going to be diving into the Sweet 16. And also, I thought it was very interesting that we saw prior to the NCAA tournament, a man that knows a lot about college basketball, Ken Pomeroy, tweet out that teams that started out the year unranked when they were a top two seed, they have never made the final four. This year, Purdue and Marquette began the year unranked, and well, we know that they are no longer dancing. So we're going to be talking about that as well. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this college basketball Tuesday as we hit some bank shots. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at and underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not get in any Twitter questions today, and I am not going to bore you with going through every single player that entered into the transfer portal because I think that we had right around about like 75 guys entering yesterday. I mean, the transfer portal, by the way, it is up to already 684 players. I am fully expecting us to get north of 1,500 guys in the portal when it's all said and done, and I'll be doing a lot of that in the offseason. But I'm going to take a look back at everything that we saw in the CBI on Monday, share with you guys a few guys that entered into the transfer portal as well, since that is very much a happening thing in college basketball. So let's take a look back at it, try to find some trends, and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game through yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Well, the DK Nation pick unfortunately went up in flames as I had San Jose State who had entered into the day 22-11 and 11 against the spread, one of the top rebound rate teams in all of college basketball, and they got dumped by Radford, 67-57 the final. They did lose Abrima Diallo, one of their top rebounders early on in this game, which certainly did not help, but 
for San Jose State. They do lose the rebound battle by a count of 40 to 35, which I thought was rather shocking. And for Radford, they win the turnover battle by a count of 12 to 6. The man that was able to come up very big for Radford in this game, that'd be Quan Smith. He had 16 points, 6 boards. You did have for San Jose State Amari Moore, the Mountain West Player of the Year. Supplies 17 points, 5 assists, as he went 2 of 6 from 3 point range, but not a lot around him. So that was a little bit of a brutal one. If you, like me, were on... Southern Utah. This one is just a really bad beat. 81-79. to They get the win, but they do not get the cover. Southern Utah was up 71-57 to with six minutes remaining. This was a closing line of right in the neighborhood of about four and a half to five. And for Southern Utah, they led by at least five points from the 15-minute mark of the first half until the final minute of the game. I mean, they were up as many as 11 points with about 230 remaining. So this one was rather rough if you back Southern Utah's race. They just kept getting shots up. They went 29 of 81 from the floor. So if you took the late over, you got there. If you took the overnight under, you were also able to get there. But for Rice, they had 21 offensive rebounds. They just really weren't able to throw the ball in the basket. Max Fiedler, 22 points, 16 rebounds. And for Southern Utah, it's currently without their coach, Todd Simon, because he took the job at Bowling Green. They had Davion Jones. Sick with it. He had 30 points in this one. Indiana State goes down in overtime against Eastern Kentucky, 89-88 to the final. As for Eastern Kentucky, they go 9-21 for three-point range, but it was the Devontae Planton show in this one. 32 points, 8 rebounds. Both teams play even up on the glass, but Eastern Kentucky, 11 turnovers. And Indiana State, they had 18. Every one of Indiana State starters had at least 12 points in this one, but they did also just not take care of the ball in general. Eastern Kentucky, they were also able to go 12-14 at the free throw line, 15 of 20 for Indiana State. So Eastern Kentucky is on to the semifinal of the CBI in Charlotte. They were able to get a win and cover against UW-Milwaukee by a count of 76 to 65 for UW-Milwaukee. They actually won the rebound battle by a count of 37 to 25. Big issue for them, turnovers. They lost the turnover battle 20 to 9 as Bryce Williams was able to supply Charlotte with 25 points. So that is what we saw in terms of everything on the hardwood on Monday. And if you're looking trend-wise at college basketball right now, the last seven days. So this is everything. NCAA tournament, CBI, along with the NIT. Unders are hitting like wildfire. 56 unders, 30 overs. I believe in this time span we've had like two pushes, might be three, but 65% of games in which they do not push on the closing line, they have gone under. So that has been rather remarkable to see. And underdogs, 43, 41, and three against the spread across all these tournaments in the last seven days. So certainly we've been seeing some dog love there. But we've also got to give a little bit of love to what's happening in the college basketball offseason as well. I'll give you guys just a quick little roundup as to some of the more notable players that are entering into the transfer portal. As we saw Quinn Slesnitsky, who began his career at Louisville. He was just all sorts of banged up for Iona this year. As we know, Iona, they're no longer with their coach in Rick Pitino. He decided that he was going to be entering into the transfer portal. And he's someone that stands Right in the neighborhood of about six foot nine, he was able to supply last year for Iona in just seven games because he was banged up. Eleven and a half points, five boards, shot from three about twenty nine percent, but good versatility there. The three point shooting percentage was in a small sample size, so certainly he is going to be coveted in the transfer portal. Kishan Gilbert, he was one of the main guys for UNLV this year. Eleven and a half points, three assists. A UNLV team that was really off to a nice start to the season, and then. 
Things went straight down the toilet bowl towards the end part of the season. So that was not necessarily too terrific. And he's going to be a guy that is going to be side after as well, as well as top scorer from North Alabama, Daniel Ortiz. We saw a lot of guys from North Alabama transfer out of the program. But for Ortiz, he was one of the better three-point shooters that I really saw out there in the Atlantic Sun as he was able to supply 14.5 points, shot 41% for three-point North Alabama. They were taking part in the CBI. They got eliminated a few days ago. So that's part of why he left. You're going to notice that there's a lot of guys currently in the transfer portal from St. Francis of Brooklyn in an unprecedented move. They're out there in the NEC. They decided to just cut all athletic programs, not just the college basketball team, but every single one of the athletic programs that they have gone. You really feel for those guys. You really feel for that coaching staff. So we are not going to need to preview St. Francis of Brooklyn anymore. So there is that. That makes things nice, clean, and easy there. But you really do wish nothing but the best for those guys that are now out there in the transfer portal looking for their new home. Jared Bynum is looking for a new home. He was playing at Providence, as we know. Ed Cooley accepted the coaching job at Georgetown. Average 10 points, 4.3 assists, shot 32% for three. But after really the turn of the calendar, he shot right around 40% for three-point range. So he was able to ascend as the season went along. Xavier Dussel who is doing some relatively solid work over there at Wyoming. He's now in the transfer portal as well as I believe that there are now seven players from Wyoming now in the transfer portal. He had eight points per game this season, shooting 42.5% from three-point range. So you know that someone is going to be wanting him. Bijan Cortez, who just didn't see a lot of minutes over at Oklahoma, right around three or so points per contest. He has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal as well. And Andre Seversov, he was the top scorer over at Georgia Southern and Georgia Southern. They decided that they were going to be making a little bit of a coaching move during the offseason. He is out there in the transfer portal. And I do think that he's someone that is really going to be building up a lot of hype as well. Because while we are still taking a look at the Sweet 16, there are a lot of teams that if they aren't playing basketball right now, they are doing everything humanly possible to try to get you where those teams in the Sweet 16 are right now. And it starts with being able to bring in a guy like Ace Eversoff, who averaged 14.5 points, 7.3 boards, shot 36% from three-point range. And his coach, Mr. Berg, he is now going to be an assistant elsewhere. As Brian Berg, he got picked up as an assistant over at Ole Miss. He is going to be on the Chris Beard coaching staff, which that's very strange to say, Chris Beard over at Ole Miss. But that is where we are at right now. And it's going to be very interesting to take a look at so many of these guys in the transfer portal, Northwestern State, because their coach, Corey Gibson, he is now out of the fold. He decided that he was going to be accepting the coaching job at Austin P. Pretty much everyone from Northwestern State followed suit. They followed him into the transfer portal. So we've got a lot of happenings in college basketball right now. You're going to be getting more offseason notes on this podcast as things go along. And then once the nets are cut down in about two weeks, we're going to be keeping things going. Taking a look at coaching moves, starting to do conference previews when it comes to like June, what have you. So we're starting to be in a little bit more transition with Coscope Soups and we get you covered all 365 days of the year with what's happening in college basketball and on a leap years 366 days of the year so hopefully you guys enjoy that and I know that 
guys that are taking a look at both what we are getting right now with all these games, but also keeping an eye on 2024, that NCAA tournament and beyond. That would be our good friend Eli Becker. He does amazing work over at HXCBB. He joins me next to take a look at the big coaching hires of Rick Patino along with Ed Cooley and to take a look at these great Sweet 16 matchups next on Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Eves Peterson, now a part of the Houston Family Podcast. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. With myself, Greg Ips Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, it is great to be joined by this man as Eli Becker does amazing work over at EchexCBB. He's the founder of that great organization. He, much like myself, is out here on the West Coast doing an amazing job taking a look at the game of college basketball. And they've got you guys set for what is going to be an amazing second week of the NCAA tournament. But on top of that, I know that they're doing a great job of keeping track of everything that's happening in the offseason. And we really saw things reach a fever pitch with a couple of hires on Monday. And I know that Eli, along with everyone else over there at Heatcheck CBB, doing a great job of getting you guys set for what we're going to be seeing next year as well. As to be able to follow Eli on Twitter, that is at Becker, his last name, B-O-E-T-T-G-E-R underscore. And then his first name, Eli. And then for Heatcheck CBB, 
Easy enough. At HeatCheckCBB on Twitter. Eli, always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Absolutely, Greg. It's uh, always a pleasure to hop on. We've got off-season news. We've got Sweet 16 previews. Plenty to talk about this time of year, no doubt. Absolutely, and no doubt about it. We'll be talking about the Sweet 16 teams here in a minute, but uh, Sweet 16 games are not going to be getting going for a few days. Meanwhile, we just saw this a few hours ago. A few coaches from the Big A few coaches, well, one staying within the Big East, one from Iona getting hired by Big East schools as Rick Pitino, he is back at a power program. He's heading to St. John's. Ed Cooley, he is going to be heading to Georgetown. Out of these two, because we heard a lot of rumors about these last week, two weeks, what have you, but which of these was more shocking to you? Because with Ed Cooley, I thought he had a really good thing going there at Providence. And for Georgetown, I know that they've got a really good pedigree, but it just feels like they're going to be quite a work in progress the next few years. These are two interesting moves, and I think before anything else, I just want to speak briefly on just the level of coaching there is in the Big East right now. From top to bottom, it's just an absolutely loaded conference as far as coaching pedigree is concerned. You have Shaka Smart, you have Sean Miller, you have Greg McDermott, Dan Hurley, and Cooley Stan. I still think that Kyle Neptune is a rising name to watch. It's a very deep, uh, and I'll probably throw Shane Holloway, who I believe pretty firmly is going to be considered one of the I'd say top 15, top 20 coaches in college basketball within the next five years. It is a very, very deep league as far as coaching chops is concerned. And it only got stronger on Monday with the additions of Rick Pitino and uh, now Ed Coley switching over to Georgetown. So um, I, I, th- I think that the more shocking, because your question was about which one is more shocking and more surprising. I wondered throughout the rumors and through the news reports whether this was one of your typical moves where a coach will publicly field an offer or entertain a prospective job just to then be able to return back to his initial team and and get a pay bump. And and we've seen that quite a bit. We've seen that with Mount West schools, uh, to be honest, just throughout the country where guys will be steady in their jobs. They'll interview somewhere else. Uh, The school will see that, want to pay up, and that's how you get a pretty significant raise. There was a part of me that always kind of wondered whether that was going to be the case with Ed Cooley because he is so highly regarded in Providence and has completely changed the trajectory of that school over the last decade or so. To consistently even get Providence into the NCAA tournament, I know the victories haven't necessarily come so much, uh, but just to get that team into the tournament consistently, I think is a huge, a huge thing for that program. And so they've got... Plenty of work to do on their hands now, but man, to think that a coach of the caliber of Ed Cooley is now with one of the bigger brands in the sport, even though they haven't been good lately, I understand that. Uh, at least last decade or so, the the March success has been relatively minimal, but man, he put a really good head coach in what I feel like is a really good landing spot for him. I'd be surprised if Georgetown doesn't get this thing rolling as far as positive momentum here pretty soon, because I do know that a lot of people like to play for Ed Cooley. Not a lot of players transfer away from Ed Cooley, and I think that there's probably going to be a lot of gravitational pull his way with one of the bigger brands of the sport. Yep, with Ed Cooley, I do think that he's one of the best coaches in America. He has proven that time and time again against Providence. That has been nice to see, and ironically enough, Rick Pitino used to coach over there as well, and now he is back in a big market as well at St. John's. What do you think the outlook is for St. John's? Because there's no doubt about it. Players are going to play for Rick Pitino. 
he got a high level of talent at Iona, but I think his time at Iona made him just become a little bit more in tune with how this day and age of college basketball does work because he did a good job of being able to land a couple of good recruits, but he did a nice job in the transfer portal. And what really stood out to me, he brought in Dennis Jenkins this last season at Iona. He's one of the top junior college players in college basketball, tore it up in the Metro Atlantic. I think that he's now equipped to finally be that fit at St. John's after Chris Mullen, Mike Anderson, Steve Lav, and all those guys, they just weren't able to elevate that program. Yeah, I mean, if Rick Pitino can't do I'll, I'll it, I'll say it this way. If Rick Pitino can't do it, I don't know who's going to save St. John's. I really don't because we're well past two decades now since St. John's advanced to the Sweet 16. Uh, I'm just digging through their team page right now, and even their most recent NCAA tournament first-round victory, I believe it was 2000. This is well before the players who Rick Pitino will even recruit were born. I mean, they're recruiting guys who now were born in 2004, 2005. They're guys who are being recruited right now who weren't even alive the last time St. John's advanced to the second round or even the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. So it's been a while. And I know that this is a passionate fan base, and all it really takes is <laughs> stringing together a 20-win season or so, and I'd, I'd put Rick Pitino with his ability to recruit, his ability to assemble a staff, and to just coach X's and O's. I'd imagine he gets to that echelon sooner than later. And then things should hypothetically start to snowball from there. And then you get a St. John's team that probably starts to creep in or, or at least near the top 25. But or as long as I've been covering this sport, St. John's has almost been kind of the also ran of the Big East. They just haven't really been, been around to have a whole lot of success. So this is the splash hire. It's the trendy hire. It's the guy who's got all the accolades. Obviously, we know about the baggage that comes with him. But man, he knows how to win college basketball games. There's nothing that St. John's needs more right now in salvaging this fan base and re-energizing this fan base than getting a coach who has been there and done that. And who knows how long Rick Pitino is still going to be coaching, but you get him for the next, say, three-plus years or so, and I'd, I'd be surprised if there isn't some positive momentum within the St. John's program. I do think that there is going to be some positive momentum for them, as always delivering positive momentum when he joins this podcast is Eli Becker over at HeatJackCBB. And Eli, when it comes to the Big East, there's a very fascinating Sweet 16 game that's going to be involving one of the teams, although I don't know if they're the splashiest team in this one. It's going to be the Princeton versus Creighton game. What do you make out of this matchup? Because coming into the season, there were many people that were very high on Creighton, and I'll admit it, I'm one of them. I thought that Creighton was going to be in for a good year. I thought that they were the best team in the Big East thus far. They and Xavier are really your two teams remaining, and I think that Creighton certainly has a better chance of making a deep run here moving forward with what is laid out for them than Xavier. But what do you make out of this matchup as a whole? Because we take a look at the 15 in front of Princeton's name, and I don't think that's warranted at this point with the way that they played. And honestly, I felt like they got a little bit underseated on Selection Sunday, not to the point where they should still be in the Sweet 16, but... I really do like the way that Princeton is playing, and I think that this could be a very fascinating game. This is going to be an excellent game. I, I see a lot of these 
re-ranking, reordering of teams after the Sweet 16. It's an annual thing, and typically the team that is seeded as a double-digit seed usually picks up the number 16 spot, and that's pretty much been what I've seen out of people ranking Princeton on Monday. But I feel like this this game could pretty much go either way, at least stylistically, because you look at both of these rosters – And both Princeton and Creighton, what they do well, they don't turn the ball over and they don't force a whole lot of turnovers on defense. These these two defenses rank 348th and 356th nationally as far as defensive turnover rate. And as far as offensive turnover rate, meaning protecting the basketball, they rank 69th and 78th. Those are very similar numbers. And I often look to things like extra possessions, ball control, uh, as, as far as teams trying to pull off upsets. And if these two teams are pretty similar from that regard, I don't I don't necessarily know if there is that big of an advantage to Creighton as we may believe just based on the seed number, which as you touched on, and I think it's a, it's a very good point, is those seed numbers can be pretty darn deceiving. And I think a lot of this has to do with matchups at the end of the day. I don't hate how Princeton matches up with Creighton. I really don't. I think that a lot of this will come down to how well Tosana Woma is going to be able to defend Ryan Kalkbrenner. I think that's a pretty significant matchup that we'll have to monitor. And Princeton can't allow Creighton to go on any sustained scoring runs. That thing can really snowball in a hurry as far as the underdog is concerned. And the recent upsets that we've seen, fairly Dickinson against Purdue, they didn't allow that to happen. They did not allow Purdue to go on any super lengthy scoring runs. We saw that in Princeton in the first round as well, and also in the second round. And that's kind of the key, I would say, is these two teams play pretty similar. The one that is able to hit open shots on a more consistent basis, I would say, gets the edge. But, man, I think this is this one's a lot closer than maybe the state lines or the betting lines would indicate. I do think so as well. I was seeing a opener last night of Creighton being a 10-point favorite. I disagree with that. Personally, I don't think the Princeton should be a favorite body stretch of the imagination. I set my line more around eight, but I certainly do think that Princeton is going to be able to hold in there. A team that has rock solid on the glass, not shooting the three ball as much as they did last year, but the defense certainly has been much more solid. And I do think that Crane should be able to survive and advance there, but no doubt about it, they're not bulletproof. And the same goes for the one seats. I do think that Alabama should be able to get by San Diego State. I think that Houston should be able to get by Miami. But which of those one seats do you think has a little bit more of a rough matchup? Because I feel like the popular answer for a lot of people is Houston because Miami's able to shoot it so well. But I take a look at the San Diego State versus Alabama game and I feel like Alabama might be thrown off by a San Diego State team that plays a more unorthodox style than what they've seen in the past. And what I do like about San Diego State this year is something that I didn't like earlier in the year. They were playing more up-tempo. They were playing a little bit more of an offensive brand of basketball. And I do think what maybe didn't allow them to necessarily play their best at the beginning of the year might be a blessing in disguise now because they are now used to playing a little bit more of an up-tempo brand of basketball that is going to be thrown at them by Alabama. This is an intriguing one. I agree with you in that if I had to bet between the two I would be more confident in Houston advancing than Alabama, despite how both of the two teams got here. I think they both had their statements over this past weekend, Houston in particular, the way that they were able to play in the second half of of their second round game to get by Auburn. But for Alabama, this thing can kind of steamroll and and fall apart a little bit if they aren't hitting their open shots. And and when they are, when they're hitting from the perimeter, I think Alabama's ceiling is as high as anyone's in the entire country. But 
Of course, on the opposite side of the matchup here, you have a San Diego State defense that ranks fifth nationally in adjusted efficiency. They rank fourth nationally in three-point percentage allowed. They don't give up a ton of three-pointers throughout the season, and they are very deep, and they're able to shuffle in guys who have plenty of stamina and are able to keep up with Alabama's pace. So it's almost similar in a sense of the Princeton-Creighton game where, of course, I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily give the edge to San Diego State like I wouldn't with Princeton either, but I just don't hate the matchup for the underdog. And Alabama, they're not a team that forces turnovers. They do cough up the ball a lot. That is one of the main knocks on this team is that they do have a pretty substantial turnover turnover rate. San Diego State, of course, is a very disruptive defense that's been the bread and butter for Brian Dutcher for years now. And this year's team, somewhat similar to the 2020 team, not nearly as potent on offense. They are able to score at a higher clip and they are a little bit more fluid on offense. And they do get quite a bit of contributions from guys like Micah Parrish, who's come on and alleviated some of the pressure that's been put on Matt Bradley from last season. We've seen also some nice contributions from Lamont Butler. Adam Seiko is definitely a knockdown shooter as well. I wouldn't rule out San Diego State making it at least interesting, but they're going to have to get enough stops because this Alabama offense, even though they are a team that is arguably maybe the best defensive team in the country, at least on an efficiency basis, when their offense gets going, Alabama is ridiculously tough to beat. SDSU just has to prevent that from happening, which, of course, is much easier said than done, but I don't think it is impossible. I agree with you. I do think that those matchups involving the two one-seats are going to be very interesting, and I do think that the matchup in San Diego State versus Alabama a little bit tighter than what maybe some people want to give a credit for, as Eli Becker, who does amazing work over at HeatCheckCBB, is joining me on the podcast, and out of all the games that we're going to be seeing in the Sweet 16, this one really stands out to me because I think that it might be the most fascinating because we saw these teams match up in the final four two years ago. We saw them play, as a matter of fact, in Lovey Las Vegas, where they're going to be playing in a few days as well last year, and that's Gonzaga versus UCLA. What do you make out of this matchup? Because a lot of people, they're giving UCLA the edge. I have a tough time doing so because UCLA, very much a banged-up team, I've been hearing that David Singleton is good to go, but if you, like me, saw the injury when it happened, I just don't know how David Singleton is going to be 100% for UCLA, and I feel like Gonzaga has really been able to ascend with their defense as the season has went along. That's well said. I, I agree with you there. Gonzaga's defense has improved substantially over, I'd say, the last month or so. They they had that stretch in January or they were just barely nudging out WCC teams. And that's that's good enough for a lot of programs nationwide. But it is not like Gonzaga to have to battle in one possession, come from behind games against the likes of, say, Pepperdine or San Francisco or Santa Clara and even had that home loss against LMU. But they've really come on of late. I've, I like how this team is progressing. And maybe there is even an element of Gonzaga and Mark Few maybe not necessarily being on the top seed or being on the radar as they have been in years past, kind of almost playing a bit of an underdog role. But I like the UCLA team as well. I believe they have as much, if not more, tournament experience than just about any other team in this tournament, um, largely with Jaime Jaquez and Tiger Campbell, who have been on this stage, have performed at a very high level, it's so hard to count those two guys out because they are not only so clutch, but they have been in these moments and have delivered in these moments. And we're very close to ending Gonzaga's perfect season just a couple of years ago. 
But as you said, this team is really banged up. To lose Jalen Clark, who might be the best on-ball defender in the entire in the entire country, the late injury to David Singleton, you have to wonder how close 100% he will be. Adam Bona, the crazy mask that he's had to wear and seems to be fiddling with that just between every single stoppage, it seems. I don't know how comfortable he is necessarily. The UCLA is not far, whether it is someone else getting banged up, and, and God forbid you don't want that to happen, but for someone else to get banged up or for one of these key players to be in foul trouble too, then possibly leaning pretty heavily on Dylan Andrews maybe off the bench at the guard position or whether Mac Etienne could get some minutes or Ken's Nuba or just it starts to starts to snowball pretty quickly if if this team isn't healthy and this team potentially deals with foul troubles or any other sort of ailments and just with the way that Gonzaga is playing right now and the way that they responded after trailing by double digits against TCU, they seem resilient. They seem to really have momentum on their side. And for those reasons, I would probably give Gonzaga the edge, at least as of right now. Yep, that is going to be such an interesting matchup as Eli Becker, alrighty, Check CBB, is joining me on the podcast. And Eli, we've been looking forward. We've been looking at all the coaching moves. We've been taking a look at just everything in terms of Sweet 16. I know something that you and Lucas Harkins tweeted out, though, is something that I think is very important for future years. And I do think that it is a little bit of an indictment on college basketball as well. There was a popular Ken Pomeroy tweet in that in the 64-team NCAA tournament era, there were 36 teams that entered the tournament as a one or two seed after not being ranked in the AP poll. They have a combined zero Final Fours and... Well, we saw the flame out that happened this weekend. Marquette loses in the second round. They were the two seed with that regard. And Purdue, they lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And Virginia was one of those teams as well when they, in 2018, lost to UMBC. So both one seeds have lost. They were unranked going into the preseason poll. How much do you put credence into this? Because I do think that with college basketball, there is a lot of progression. And what I do love about college basketball is unlike oh, I don't know, college football, for instance, you don't try to overrate teams like three months after the fact being like, well, they were ranked in the top 25 to begin the year. Even though they're sub 500, they're still really good or anything like that. I do think that that's a good thing about college basketball, but how much do we need to take a look at priors and just some of these things like recruiting, transfer rankings, when it comes to gauging these teams? Because I don't think that it's certainly an end-all be-all, but I do think that at the end of the day, it still does mean something. And I think that what I just said with that tweet that was sent out by Ken Pomeroy, it really does hold a little weight. I believe in that. And of course, the knee-jerk reaction is, well, what about Kansas State, which was picked last in the Big 12 and really didn't enter the season which with much of any postseason expectations? Or what about North Carolina, which started the season as a preseason number one and missed the tournament altogether, the, the first team to do that in the modern era? What I will say, because over on Heat Check CBB, we have the tournament index model that I've formulated over the years, which, as it states, is a projections tool that is used to measure and project how well teams were, will perform in the NCAA tournament. And the preseason uh, poll and preseason top 25 and those votes are part of that formula because there are plenty of instances where either the one or the two seeds that weren't in the preseason top 25 are bounced early. And at the same time, there are plenty of instances where top 15, top 20 preseason AP teams are a lot of those teams that are between, say, the 7 and 11 seed lines 
And those teams end up being some deep sleepers in the NCAA tournament. And an example of that this year would be Arkansas. And this Arkansas team, I don't think anyone could argue about their talent level, which is probably as high as just about any other team in the rest of the rest of the nation when they are healthy. And of course, that's been one of the big factors for them this season. But at their peak, they have as much talent as just about any team in college basketball, and that came to fruition this this past weekend when they knocked off top-seeded and defending national champion Kansas. And at least for me, as I've studied this tournament so much over these last 10, 15 years and trying to measure what actually leads to NCAA tournament success and what is more fluff and things that aren't necessarily as accurate, I believe the preseason poll can act almost as an intangible measure. And I think that if you were to take two of the same rosters and you were to assign one of the rosters to let's say Bill Self and assign the other roster to maybe this isn't a knock on any coaches but let's say let's assign it to Shaka Smart what would the national consensus lean as far as those two those two teams would they lean on the the Shaka Smart coach team or would they lean on the Bill Self coach team and you kind of have to ask yourself which of these coaches has had better pedigree which of these coaches is more likely to advance to the NCAA tournament and Chaka Smart may very well end up being the national coach of the year which is absolutely deserved for where Marquette was picked in the preseason but at the end of the day he has won as of now this past week he just won his first NCAA tournament game in a decade and Bill Self or even Mark Few has now made I believe eight sweet 16s as of Sunday night there's just kind of this level of intangibles that I I believe shows itself in March and we've seen that with this Purdue team now under Matt Painter three years in a row losing to what the 16 seed the 15 seed and the 13 seed and the the type of runs that they've had that have kind of collapsed on the stretch I just think that this is almost a measure of intangibles that aren't easily quantifiable and when it comes to March all of those things are just way more pronounced because the pressure is on and as we saw with Purdue this past weekend against FDU, they just did not live up to that pressure. And you kind of have to wonder to yourself, is is there something that's kind of underlying in all of this? And I believe that's where at least some of these intangibles as far as the preseason poll could maybe be taken into consideration with at least a grain of salt. No doubt about it. And I mean, Purdue did not live up to expectations. And I can't say that this entity lives up to expectations because every single day you guys exceed expectations. Over there at Heat Check CBB, Eli, you guys always do amazing work. Every time you and everyone else like Brian Roth, Connor Hope, you're able to go down the list of tremendous folks over at Heat Check CBB join this podcast. You all lend absolutely amazing insights. So, Eli, let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms because I know you guys are doing a great job of taking a look at the games going on right now, but you guys are a great hub for everything that's going to happen this offseason as well. Yeah, I appreciate that as always, Greg. It's always a pleasure to hop on and, and chat hoops with you. And as always, our stuff is on heatcheckcbb.com and our social media handles are at heatcheckcbb. And we've now kind of reached the part of March where you're balancing both NCAA tournament coverage and also now the off-season carousel spinning and transfer portal heating up and everything like that. So we'll both be boots on the ground, myself and Brian Ralph in Houston covering the Final Four. So we're excited about that. And obviously in the meantime, previewing these games and just keeping tabs on all the news and wherever the news cycle will spin over these next couple of weeks and months. It is going to be such an amazing off-season. And it is a big reason why I've not taken a podcast off since like early November of 2019 because the transfer portal never, ever ends. We're going to be seeing a lot of coaching hires. We've already seen quite a few coaching hires. Ex-Southern Utah was still going in the CBI. 
They're currently coaching with an interim coaching regime because their coach, Todd Simon, took the coaching job over there at Bowling Green. So there's a lot going on right now. Eli does an amazing job of being able to cover it all and always does an incredible job whenever he joins his podcast. A big thanks to him for joining me on Coast Coast Heaps, now part of the Houston Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you a fix and analysis on every game on the betting board for this college basketball Tuesday as we get some big shots. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. And we're back here in Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It's always great to get Eli Becker aboard. He does amazing work over at eCheckCBB, the founder of that wonderful organization, doing an amazing job taking a look at all things college basketball. 
They've got you locked and loaded here on all the games that we are going to be seeing. And they've got you guys all covered with the offseason happenings as well. So a big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this College Basketball Tuesday as we hit some bank shots. Most financial establishments close at a certain time, but not here. It is time for a side and total on every game on today's betting board bank shots. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUnit underscore 81. We are going to be going with the two NIT games first, and then the two games in the CBI will be at the bottom. So very nice, clean, and easy as we're starting to run out of games here, folks. But let's embrace and cherish all the games that we do have. And this gets started with 613-614 on the betting board. You've got North Texas, and they're going to be taking on Oklahoma. Oklahoma, the home team, is a 4.5 to a 5-point favorite. And your total is between 124 and 124.5. I did set my total at 124. 124.5 is my buy point on the under. North Texas, dead last in the country in terms of total possessions per game. Going up against an Oklahoma State team that by no means are they a slug. By no means are they any sort of a blazer either in terms of total possessions per game. They're hovering right around 151st in the country and Oklahoma State has really been able to bat down the hatches when it comes to their defense as this bunch has given up fewer than 70 points in each of their last six games. So things have been going well on that front. Overall, a team that ranks in the top 40 in terms of points a lot on a per possession basis and North Texas has really been able to do an amazing job with their defense as well. It does take a little bit of a fall off when they do leave home, but a team that overall for the season has been a rank in the top 15 nationally in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. As a matter of fact, ninth, and it's a defense that does travel well in a roadside shoot record environment. They're still in the top 10 with regards to that defensive efficiency. They do a good job of being able to cut off the three-point arc, though. Oklahoma State really doesn't bomb from three-point range anyway. They shoot 31.1% for three, bottom 50 mark in all of college basketball, but what Oklahoma State does well is they defend, as you've got Musa Cisse down low, eight rebounds, two blocks per contest. I like the way that Caleb Boone has been able to supply for the team, 11 points, five boards. They have a deal with the injury to Avery Anderson, so in the backcourt, it's been a lot of John Michael Wright, coupled with Bryce Thompson, who have been able to combine for about 21.8 points per game. You've got Wright shooting 34.5% from three, Thompson 38% from distance, but the Oklahoma State team that they hang their head on defense. Meanwhile, for North Texas, Tyler Perry, you've seen him on the silver screen. Now you see him on the hardwood. He shoots 43% for three, 17 points per contest. He's been terrific. North Texas is going to be outgunned down low, but I do like the way that Abdul Uzman is able to give you a little bit of our block. 11 points, six rebounds per game. Aaron Scott at six foot seven has good versatility with seven points, five and a half rebounds per game. And North Texas has faced a wide variety of teams. Those that are good down low, those that are very guard heavy out there in Conference USA. So I do think that they're going to be up for the challenge. I do think that Oklahoma State gets the job done outright, but I can only set my line at four. So getting between four and a half and five, I'm going to be taking a look at the points with North Texas. I do think that this is going to be a game in which it's going to be throttled down. I think you get a little bit of late game felling, but anything north of 24 going to be diving under. So 124 and a half under and North Texas getting the points is what I like here as we go to my DK Nation pick. 615, 616 on the board. Oregon is going to be playing us to Wisconsin. Wisconsin at most places is a four and a half point underdog. I'm seeing a couple fives out there as well, and your total is any between 134.5 and 135.5. I did set my line at a 4.5, so the 5 that I'm currently seeing at Circa, that is my buy point on Wisconsin, but 
right up here is going to be on the total, and I'm going to be taking it under. Semi-total, 126.5. you got a Wisconsin team that just has not been able to supply offense all season long in terms of point score on a per-possession basis in a roadside shooter court environment. Wisconsin right around 230th in all of college basketball. You've got a pair of slow teams here. Oregon, 255th in the country in terms of total possessions per game. Wisconsin, 347th. And you got an Oregon team that is 279th in terms of three-point shooting percentage and has been dealing with injuries to each of their top three scores. Will Richardson he is out for pretty much the rest of his career. He is done at Oregon. 12 points, 5 assists per game. He's rolled out for the NIT. Jermaine Cousinard, Alonthan Falidante have a chance to play, but they missed the team's game against Central Florida just on Sunday, so quick turnaround. Dante, only guy on the roster that gives you north of 5.5 rebounds per game, 13.5 points, 8.5 boards, 1.4 blocks per contest. Kuznard, right around 12.8 points per game for an Oregon team that, I mean, overall for the year, they've had a little bit of a tough time holding on to the ball, so that's a bit of an issue. You do have Nate Biddle down low, they will give you 5 rebounds per game, but I do think that Wisconsin is going to be able to hold in their, their 3-point shooting away from home. It's sub-30 32%, which is not great, but you do have Chucky Epper and along Connor Asesian combined for 24 points. They both combined to shoot about 37.5% from three, but does take a little bit of fall off away from home. Tyler Wall, Stephen Crawl, maybe they would combine for just under 24 points per game as well. 13 rebounds, 5 assists between those two, so you do like that. Max Gleesman, he shoots right around 40% from three with about 8 points per contest, shooting about 38% from the outside away from home, and if there is one good attribute about Wisconsin, fewest turnovers on a per-possession basis, just both at home and away from home. Oregon, not necessarily a team that pickpockets very much, but for Wisconsin, 69 points are fewer in regulation in all but three of the games that they have played this calendar year. And Oregon has actually done a better job with their defense. 70 points are fierce surrendered in four out of their last five games. So my right up here is going to be on the under. You've got a banged up Oregon team. you got a super slow Wisconsin team. So semi-total 126 half, diving under. And with Oregon, made them a four and a half point favorite. So I'm going to be willing to take five with Wisconsin. Now we go to the CBI, 617-618 on the board. It is Eastern Kentucky and they're going to be facing off with Southern Utah. Southern Utah in between a 3.5 to a 4-point favorite. And your total is 156, 156.5. Game is being played in Daytona Beach, Florida. And I did set my total 154.5. I'm going to be one to dive under. have a pair of teams that are playing quite rapidly. Eastern Kentucky right around 60th in the country in terms of total possessions per game. Southern Utah, they're looking to push tempo as well. They rank in the top 50 in terms of total possessions per game as well. But this is going to be a situation where I do take a look at the under because both of these teams play yesterday in the case of Eastern Kentucky. They have played back-to-back games and back-to-back games in which have went to overtime. That takes quite a bit out of you. It's an Eastern Kentucky team that always hangs their head on defense, but they haven't been able to do as much of that this season. They've honestly been a really good offensive rebound rate team in terms of percentage of their misses that they rely on as an offensive rebound, a top 25 team in the country. It's Devontae Blanton along with Michael Moreno. have been able to combine for between 28 and 29 points per game, shooting about 38% from three-point range. And then you've got Isaiah Cosart who's able to give you a little bit over seven rebounds per game, but all in all, Eastern Kentucky, they shoot about 66% of the free line. That's a bottom 30 mark in all of college basketball. They do shoot in the mid-30s from three-point range in Southern Utah. They're in a little bit of transition. Todd Simon, their coach, he decided to move on to Bowling Green, but they still have all of their normal players in the fold. None of these guys decide we're going to opt out or anything like that. Tavion Jones has been your main headline guy. He's been able to supply just under 18 points, shooting about 36% from three-point range. He's able to give you about four and a half boards, and I do think that Southern Utah is going 
going to be a matchy intensity that Eastern Kentucky is able to show on the glass as you've got four separate guys, Jones being one of them, that give you at least 4.4 rebounds per game. Harrison Butler, Mason Fawzett, Jason Spurgeon, these three guys have been able to give you a combined about 25 rebounds per game. Fawzett shoots 36.5% from three, 12 points per contest. Spurgeon and Butler combined for 21.5 points per game. And then you've got someone like Drake Allen who shoots 37% from three-point range. Southern Utah does get into a little bit of trouble with turnovers with right around 13 per contest, but this Eastern Kentucky team has not been as successful with being able to generate turnovers, so I do think that that works to the advantage of Southern Utah, and I do think that Southern Utah could be able to get it done. They dominated that game that we saw against Rice before a little bit of a collapse at the end. I think that they're going to be able to execute against a pretty tired Eastern Kentucky team. Semi-total, 154.5, diving under, and I say Southern Utah is a 4.5 point favorite, so we'll delay the number, and we wrap things up with 619-620 on the betting board. Charlotte is going to be taking on Radford in the CBI in Florida, as Charlotte is a 3 to a three and a half point favorite, and your total it is between 127.5 and 128. Semi-line at three, mostly seeing three and a half, so I'm going to be willing to take three and a half with Radford. Radford is currently without one of their top rebounders as Justin Archer. I have no idea why he's away from the team, but he is, but some of the understudies have really been able to step up. You've got six foot ten Madao Ending, who's been able to do a really good job recently for the spawn. She had eight rebounds in that win against San Jose State. For Radford, you've also got Brian Antoine, Daquan Smith, who have been able to supply about 25 points per game. They combined to shoot about 41.5% from three-point range. For a Radford team that they've been a little bit up and down with their defense, but it does feel like they're starting to get things back on kilter as Radford overall for the year, about 160th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, but giving up only about a half a point more per 100 possessions when they leave home rather than when they are at home. Charlotte, more around 110th of the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, but they're a bottom 75 team when it comes to opponents' three-point shooting percentage. Charlotte is going to have good versatility from Ali Khalifa, 12.6 boards. He's able to give you two and a half assists, and as a team, you do have a Charlotte punch that does shoot 37.5% from three-point range. That is a top 30 mark in all of college basketball, and the big key is being able to get some open looks for someone like a Bryce Williams, who shoots 41% from three, 13.5 points, five rebounds per game. Lucille Patterson has done a nice job being able to dole out in the neighborhood about three assists per game, chips in their 10 points, three and a half rebounds per game, and they do face off against the Radford team that overall for the season, they are about 200th in the country, an opponent's three-point shooting percentage, but actually do a better job of guarding the arc when they're away from home rather than when they are at home, so I do find that to be very intriguing. You've got a pair of teams that they are not looking to push tempo. Charlotte is in the bottom 10 in all of college basketball in terms of total possessions per game. Radford 333rd in the country in possessions per game and they play at a rate of about 3.7 possessions per game fewer when they do leave home as well for Radford. Certainly has been a little bit of an up and down and tumultuous sort of ride for them but still have given up 69 points or fewer and now 5 out of their last 6 games. This is a Charlotte team that has really battened down the hatches as well as They've given up either 65 or 66 points in each out of their last three games. I do think that especially both of these teams having played yesterday, it's going to be a slowed down, grimy game. Semi-total 125, diving under. I do think that Radford going to be able to do enough to be able to hold in there even with all the tumultuous situations that they've dealt with with their coach being away for the drunk driving arrest. Darius Nichols is back with the team and it feels like the team has embraced him very well. So I did semi-total 125, diving under and with Radford. We'll take three and a half or more with them, and that will wrap things up for the Tuesday edition of Coast to Coast Heaps, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. A big thanks to Eli Becker, who does amazing work over at HXCBB. Join me in the last segment. If you do like 
what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops. You're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at JNet underscore 81. Keep in mind, letter CM, maybe does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via the five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the college basketball season, which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.